what the hell is knife play? You just be cutting people up like like faux gras. What what you doing? Um, <laughs> by definition, with a, a bit of my own experiences with it, as far as how I do it, uh, knife play is pretty much. You are now listening to another episode of the Kinky Heathen Podcast. Today I will be interviewing Sir Dreaded Prince. Sir, what was your sex at birth? Male. And since this is a audio only episode, if I were to walk up to you on the street, how would you present? Uh, I guess you can say uh, masculine dressing male. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what are your pronouns? Pronouns are he, him, and or they, them. And your sexuality? Heterosexual. What does that mean? Uh, to me, heterosexual would be in my perspective as a man um i prefer relationships with women intimately sexually and romantically when you say relationships with women are, are these women that identify as women are you looking for women that that still have um a vagina but yeah i would i would uh prefer women that have vagina that identify as women i am never one to say that i would never be for instance, uh, involved even with a trans woman uh, because it is that feminine energy that I'm attracted to anyway. So before we get started, where can the people find you at? Uh, you can find me on allmylinks.com forward slash Sir Dreaded Print. Okay. Can they follow you anywhere specific that you can shout out real quick? You can definitely follow them on Facebook. You can find me under the same name, Dreaded Prince or Sir Dreaded Prince. And or Twitter as well. You really do have all my links. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. We're going to play a word game to see, to see how many kinks and fetishes that you do know. Oh, here we go. Okay. You can do this. I believe in you. <laughs> you are aroused from or by funerals. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> that, that's a different one. Um, <laughs> I, I would say you fall under some type of uh, necrophilia. I thought so too, but okay. it's actually a uh, taphophilia. T a p h o p h i l i a. Taphophilia. Oh, okay, all right. Because funerals are very emotional times, and you know people deal with grief. The most two common ways are, of course, the tears, and they're using their sexual prowess. Mm, I see. So, I see. So for some people, it could deal with necrophilia. But mm. for others, it's the emotion surrounding it, the the vulnerable the vulnerable state that everyone's in in that moment. Ah, uh, okay, I can totally see that. I can understand that. Okay, you're aroused from nudity. Any guesses? <laughs> Voyeurism. Nudomania. Ah, that one sent me too. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna have to get out Google soon. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, if you are into abrasion play, what are you doing, or Ooh. or or how are you receiving it? Uh, as a masochist, definitely. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, since you're on the show, what what's a masochist? Because you can't be throwing out language that the people don't know. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, masochists are you know masochists are those who find uh, pleasure, you typically sexual pleasure. Um, from receiving some type of suffering, whether it's physical, emotional, uh, or even mental. Um, well, mental and emotional. 
so in reference to that, you know, any type of suffering that's brought on, whether it's physical, you know, whether it's, you know, being spanked, uh, high impact spanking, uh, you know, being poked and prodded by, you know, something sharp, uh, you know, things like that. And of course, when it comes to mental, I mean, some people may enjoy a bit of degradation or humiliation as well. Okay, come through. You must you must be Google Dictionary. Okay, then. <laughs> no, I got my phone to the side. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> no, I'm not reading yet. I'm not reading yet. Then I'm then I'm really impressed. Abrasion play mm-hmm. for people that people that like this fetish, people that enjoy receiving or giving cuts and scrapes. Yeah. Okay. I've got keloid skin, so I'm not sure if I can play with this. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Last one. All right. Let's try. It's like triple jeopardy. You got this. Lithophilia. Wait, say it one more time for me. Lithophilia. Lithophilia. Ah, I'm lost on that one. I'm lost on that one. Okay. If, you're, if your driveway isn't paved, what's in it? Gravel? Dirt? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> so it has to do with gravel. Yep. Stones and mud. Attraction to stones, gravel, and mud. Uh, interesting. I know, right? Might need to add that to my tool bag. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of cool, ain't it? Just just, just Mm -hmm. a random one. Yeah. Now, let's get into the meat of the show. Okay. What the hell is knife play? You just be cutting people up like like faux gras? What what you doing? Um, (laughs) By definition, with a a bit of my own experiences with it, as far as how I do it, uh, knife play is pretty much uh, consensual BDSM play, edge play, uh, to be more specific. Uh, due to the implements that are being used, in this case, sharp objects. Um, it can be a form of uh, sensual play, uh, mind-fucking, or mental mental play. And in my case, uh, in how I use, say, for instance, certain knives or machetes, it can be impact play as well. Wait a minute. So you spanking people with knives? Usually two. I, I, I like to work with two, work with both hands. So, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to just be knives. You got me. I'm, now I'm interested. Come on. Because I got a machete over here in the shelf. So I'm interested. I'm listening. So, so you can spank somebody with a knife. Mm-hmm. You can tease them. So that would be the mind fuck or the emotional or the mental emotional side of it. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, like depending on what you're using, yeah. It, depending on how big the knife or machete is, uh, you can spank them with it. And as I mentioned, you don't have to necessarily use knives. It can be something like um, vampire gloves uh, that some may be familiar with, which is pretty much a leather glove with metal spikes in it throughout the entire hand. Um, Or, in uh, my case, if you are the type of person that don't want to easily break the skin, depending on the type of person that you're playing with, you may want to use grooming gloves. Uh, I use... Oh. Yeah, I use just those for like newcomers, um, and there's different type of grooming gloves. So the ones that I'm talking about, for instance, actually do have pointed tips, but they're they're made from plastic or or uh, some type of other material that's not as sharp. Um, but depending on how much pressure or force you use, you can break the skin. So you have to be careful with that as well. Trust me, I know. I've I've done some dog grooming, and I've had a dog. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Cause I got myself. Forgot that I had the glove on with the scratch. Mm. Oh no, baby! Oh no! 
it was it was not cute. You should have seen me in there screaming behind the glass window. <laughs> <laughs> so do you you talked about not actually breaking the skin. So that means that you're not necessarily cutting anybody, right? Right, right correct. Um, I've only had. Oh, I thought you was a butcher. <laughs> okay, definitely not a butcher. I'm not. I'm not slicing and dicing. No, no. Okay, that makes me feel so much better. So, but what if somebody wants to be cut? Um, you 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 take your steps to make it as safe as possible. Um, it's never going to be completely safe because this is what we call edge play. Um, so it's a bit more dangerous. There's a bit more risk. Um, so if you if you have somebody that wants to be cut, you know, as far as doing your due diligence, you want to ask typically uh, really a lot of questions. You know, if the person has, um, if they're on some type of medication like blood thinners, for instance, um, if they have some type of ailment where, you know, the blood doesn't clot as, as easily on its own, if they're diabetic um, or any other type of health issues that could cause some problems during the scene, you want to ask for uh, also any STI information, you know, if the person has HIV or AIDS, you want to be mindful of that, uh, so that way you can properly prepare for it um, if you decide to do so. Um, you definitely want to have your basic first aid kit at the very least, um, you know, have materials needed that if there is a situation where you have to try to stop the bleeding as best as possible or slow it down, um, you definitely want those materials available. Um, and also just, you know, your willing subject, the person that wants this to happen, the person that's consenting to it, you know, you have to be mindful of, you know, how they could react. So if they have some triggers, you might want to want to talk about that type of thing too. people. A lot of people leave that out when they're discussing and negotiating that type of scene. What do you mean negotiating a scene? Talk to me more about that. Uh, negotiation is, is, you know, you can see it literally as that. Um, you're pretty much presenting to each other, um, you know, your your needs as far as disengagement that's about to happen. Um, or it can just be as simple as a discussion um, where you talk about, you know, where a person wants to be touched or where they want to be touched, um, where they don't want to be touched. You know, you may discuss things as far as limits. You know, things that they're absolutely not willing to do or have done to them. Also, you want to discuss, of course, safe words, you know, some word that can be yelled out, said, whispered, you know, whatever the case may be, to let the person know who's performing this act on another to stop. Because guess what? Stop and no and BDSM are not seen as safe words. Are not seen uh-huh. as yeah. You don't want to yeah. Give me an example of of a of a safe word you've heard. Um, <laughs> I've heard, for instance, "spody odie dopalicious." I've heard that before. <laughs> run that back. Run that back. <laughs> "Spody odie dopalicious." So, for any Outcast fans, you know <laughs> you probably heard that word before. <laughs> yes, I just had to make sure that was. <laughs> What I was thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I, I want to know what you do. What? How are you getting that all out? You just you just start with this. How do you how do you get that out? Like what? Saying that word? It seems, yes. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Okay, so some people when they choose a safe word, they want to choose something that's one easily recognized or can possibly break the energy of the scene. Um, and the reason why they want to do that, oh, yeah, the reason why okay. the reason why they want to do that is to make sure that 
you know, yeah, embrace the energy. So, like, if you're really into it and all this other stuff as a top, um, you don't want to necessarily have a distraction. And sometimes a, a funny word like that will do it. Um, <clears throat> and you want it to be a word where if the person is really serious about stopping the scene, that they say it entirely as best they can. But then also, you know, in situations where maybe the person can't speak, maybe you want to, your safe word is a gesture or a towel being dropped or a ball being dropped because, you know, you have situations where, you know, I don't know, the person might be gagged, might have a ball gag in their mm -hmm. mouth. Um, who knows? So you want to prepare for that type of thing. So you, you put things in place as a safe word, whether it be a gesture or an actual word itself. Okay, so if you're not gagged, you can, you know, YOLO out, outcast. <laughs> and if you are gagged, you know, you can dribble a ball. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Both of those sound good to me. Okay, okay. Did you... I want to talk more about how you got into this. Were you, like, into sharp things as a kid? Were you, were you a little kid poking people with forks? Uh, was that you? Actually, you can tell me if it was. Actually, no. Um... Uh, how did it start? I'm I'm really not sure how it started. I, I think I might have witnessed. You know what? When I first uh, got into BDSM, I went to a knife play class. Um, and I was just so. That's a hell of a way to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have classes and workshops and yeah conferences you go to. But yeah, I went to a, I went to a class and the teacher, while he was talking, he was flicking a, po a pocket knife opened and closed and as he was every time he would flick it open flick it closed i would notice somebody in the audience was like kind of you know wiggling in their seat and, you know kind of sighing and you know seeming to get hot and bothered so in the midst of him flicking the knife he he went ahead and pointed out you know if you pay attention to the left you see such and such every time i flick my knife she's getting more <laughs> jittery. So pretty much he, in the process of having a scene with her, he pretty much created a trigger in her mind when every time she hears a knife, a pocket knife flick open, you know, she would feel a certain way. So it's things like that. As oh. far as the versatility that you can do with knife play, that is what really attracted me. And plus also, Still looks really good against melanated skin. I'm just saying. That's just. Go ahead. I think that you that that woman was classically conditioned, and Definitely. and by that I mean that you can for those of you that that don't know, um, you can train someone and give them little triggers. So when you you said your first experience with it was in the BDSM class for knife play. Yes. What do you wish you knew when you were just starting out? Um, what do I wish I knew? I, I wish I knew that uh, how much work it took just to, and it really didn't even have anything to do with the knife play. It was just navigating the BDSM realm. Um, how, how much work it would take as far as like deconstructing societal views that have been instilled in me and reconstructing them in a better way so I can navigate, um, you know, these different engagements that I would have with people, um, whether it be how I communicate, 
how I discuss things and negotiate, you know, my wants and my needs and things like that. Um, so I, w- I would say that would be what I wish I knew. So you wish you wish you knew that it would take a lot of work to get people to to see and validate what you're into. Yes, that I mean, and then also with the understanding that I don't need their validation. That's very true. That's one of the things that I wish most people understood. It's a it's a hard one lesson, but when you do get it, it's so empowering. But this also goes in into my next question. How do you tell potential partners about it or introduce them to it? Like, you know what? I've got this set of knives. Don't be alarmed. This one's for scaling fish and this one's for booty spanking. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean sometimes it's just as simple as that. Um <clears throat> Typically, what I would find is is that people, uh, a potential partner, would ask me, "Well, is that type of thing always necessary?" And the answer is no; it's not always necessary. Um, I do like to engage it from time to time. If that's something that you're not into, that's totally fine. I don't have to engage in that with you. But that also falls in line with being polyamorous. I don't have to do everything with just one person. So, but when it comes to that, just like you said, I mean, it could be just as simple as that. You know, I kind of got this kink. Um, you know, everybody's not into, and it's definitely edgy in, in more ways than one. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you know, would you be interested in trying it? If not, I totally understand, and I have no problem with that. Um, but as far as like slowly introducing them, if they are willing, I mean, I start off with something light. Um, I actually just <laughs> actually before this uh, interview, uh, I just introduced a friend to a bit of knife play, and I started out with the grooming gloves. It's something light. It's it's not as risky, and I literally had a light touch with her. Um, but I've also had situations where I've had a partner. Um, she knew I was in the knife play because we had that discussion, and she wanted to try it. But here's the thing: she had. Um, a situation in the past where she was pretty much attacked at knife point or, or held at knife point. Um, so when we first started out, you know, I instructed her to try it on herself first, you know, just start off with a butter knife, um, you know, run it along your skin, not across your skin, but along your skin just to see how it feels. What's the difference? Um, as far as running across versus along? Yes, again, this is an educational podcast, so we got to give it to the people. Just to clarify. So the difference mainly is, uh, think of it as shaving. You you run, the, you, you, you run the razor along your skin, not across your skin. So, of course, if you run it across, taking a razor across your skin, you're going to cut yourself. But if you run it along, you're going either you know, along with the grain or against the grain, but either way it go, whichever direction you're going in, when it comes to running it along the skin, um, you're not going to, it increases that risk of cutting yourself unless you have like a, a mole, a prominent bump or something like that, that you're running it, running it along. So yeah, you may cut yourself in, but like taking it along your arm, for instance, that's, you know, less risk of cutting yourself. Um, so I instructed her to do that. And, of course, she felt a little bit more comfortable and more. And then she wanted me to try to do it on her, you know, doing a bit of knife play. Um, and so and that's what I mean as far as the triggers. So where she found herself becoming comfortable with uh, a certain technique, in this case, running it along her skin. Um, 
if it came to the point, then that would be a different thing. That would be a trigger. Here it is, a knife being literally pointed at me. And in this case, being used to just poke me a little. So we did have a situation where I did lightly poke her um, and it triggered her. And so at that point, I immediately stopped. You know, she didn't have to say a safe word. I sensed it. I felt the change in energy. And I stopped the scene and I immediately went into what's called aftercare, you know, reassuring her, letting her know she's safe, holding her, things like that. Wow. First of all, that escalated quickly from from the at least from my point of view, from the grooming glove to the. Yeah, we got to We got to talk about it. Yeah, we got to talk about it all, you know, because when it comes to those things, that's why it's important to try your best to talk about these things before. Talk about the any hypothetical situations, you know, Um, you know, whether. The hypothetical situation is where the person is is being, you know, uh, within the midst of the scene is actually harmed or hurt um, or where an emotional trigger was was flipped. So because you never know what may happen, the person may flip out on you. They may go into, you know, a rant, a rave and just acting all out. You never know. So you want to just try your best to discuss those type of possibilities. I appreciate the consideration you're, you you give to anybody you uh, have a scene with. It's I don't want to say um, special because because it is, but it's also an important part of BDSM: the care, the understanding, that conversation. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I forgot I did have another term for you, and this one you should definitely know. Okay. Arousal from penetrating one's body. With sharp objects, pins, razors, or knives, etc. Well, I'm I'm just gonna say knife play, but I, as far as the actual name at this moment, it escapes me. Peekerism, P I Q U E R I S M. Cute word, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds like for for people that love like for the sexual arousal from Pikachu. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I said cute name. Okay. All right. My bad. Okay. We didn't. We talked about this from the standpoint of um, a heterosexual man, and however this lady identifies, as long as she identifies with the feminine energy. Do you think that this is only for the, for those people, or do you think non-straight people can can enjoy this as well? Well, that was abrupt. I know. I know. So tune in next week for part two. Tuesdays as always. Until then. Like, follow, subscribe, leave a review. Tell me what you think. If you don't like it, tell me. I am GR Heaton. If you do like it, tell everybody else. This is the Kinky Heaton Podcast. <laughs>